everyone. If you'd turn in your Bibles tonight to Revelation chapter 16. Now as we begin this chapter and uh, towards the end of it, we'll find the actual battle of Armageddon. I want to remind you of where we are. We've already pressed on through the first three and a half years of the tribulation. We're now in the last of the last three and a half years. And these bold judgments are really towards the very end, right before the Lord returns. It's important to keep the timing of these things in view when you study the book of Revelation. Because it helps you then understand why things would be so severe. Another thing that you're going to see in this chapter tonight as we begin, and we'll look at the first 11 verses, you're going to see that what God in essence does is now moves to wipe out the false gods that people worship right now. We have people who, as Romans 1 declares, worship the creation instead of the creator. Amen? We have people that worship the ocean. We have people that worship fresh water. We have people who worship the environment. We have people who worship people. We have people who worship technology. We have people who worship most everything save the Lord himself. And so as you go through these bold judgments, you're going to find that God has finally said, enough worshiping other things. I'm going to make it so that you can clearly see that in every one of these things, I alone am the Lord thy God. And so it makes perfect sense when you understand the intent of God, that his justice and his judgment is right and it's true, and he has been so unbelievably long-suffering. And so don't be dismayed by it. The news is out. I always tell people, look, the news is out. We know what's coming. And so we we can tell people that God loves them. We can encourage them to come to faith in Christ. There is no reason for anyone to ever, if if there's someone that you know that's alive today and you fear for them, then share the good news of the gospel with them because it's the answer. They need not worry. But there will come a point in time when mankind's heart will be so incredibly hard that even when God does these things, they will still choose not to believe. And so the picture is one that is future. But the purpose is valuable today because you can see this type of hardness already existing in our world. And so would you pray with me as we turn our attention to Revelation 16? Again, Father, we know that all of your judgments are right and they are true. You're just You're also loving and kind and long-suffering, and you are not willing that any should perish. But indeed, as your word declares, that all should come to repentance. And so we pray that there be no fear, because perfect love casts it out, and tonight your grace abounds. And so, Lord, we pray that those that might even hear this message on the Internet or a YouTube channel, Lord, maybe they're tuning in somewhere around the world. God, that you would, by your grace... Draw sinners to yourself, Lord, that we'd recognize that there's only one who's worthy, and it's you, Jesus. We bless you, praise you. We ask now that you take your word and speak to us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1, Revelation 16, the first 11 verses tonight. And then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God. On earth. And again, remind yourself of what this is. 
God ultimately must, if he is who he says he is, he has to deal with sin. And it can either be dealt with, as we saw last week, it can either be dealt with at the cross by Christ Jesus, it can either be put on him and he'll pay the price for your sin, or you can carry it around yourself, in essence. The world can carry it around itself. The world can have another God. God's given us the opportunity by the, the wonderful, marvelous gift of choice. He's, he's enabled us to think and act and do whatever we want to do. He's made no one come to him, and he will in like manner cast no one away from him unless they make that decision themselves. No one will ever be put into outer darkness because they didn't have a chance to believe. If God ever did that to even one person, then he would not be just. All people will have made the choice. And whether they made it in the Old Testament dispensation uh, of understanding that God was working at that time and they would believe waiting for Messiah, or whether at the time that Jesus came and, and the full manifestation of his grace through the cross was made available to them, the decision will be the same decision. You will have believed by faith and been saved, or you will have willingly rejected the truth. That's always been true from Adam and Eve until now. Those bowls are being stored up. God's allowing them to be filled with our choices, so to speak. And so the first went out and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. And so begin to look at these things. Does not man worship money? What is the mark of the beast? It's money. Does not man worship possessions and position and power? Is that not what that mark represents? Mankind has striven after power and possession and position for millennia. And God has said enough. And so the first bowl is this loathsome sore. And I want you to notice that these do not kill anyone. It's not unto death. And so God is yet still giving them opportunity to turn. He's going to make life so troublesome for them that they should come to the conclusion that they should change their ways. How often we mistake God's allowance in our lives of things that are very displeasurable as though he does not care. But he cares deeply, and he would never allow his creation to be afflicted this way were it not the only way to get man's attention in this grave time. And so the first one, loathsome sores, and then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and became as blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Does not mankind worship the oceans even today? Matter of fact, we care more about whales and dolphins than we do about the unborn children in our world. We care more about the receding sea than we do about the people who live on the land. And so God says, I'm going to pour out upon the seas so that every creature, does God care about Shamu or you? He cares about you. 
You alone, mankind alone, was made in the image of God. Whales were not made in the image of God. I love whales, by the way. But not like I love my children. I, I love going down to the coast and enjoying the sea. But I do not love it like I love people. And neither does God. That's part of the creation. He created it for mankind's blessing and enjoyment. He did not create it for mankind to worship it. And that's true of everything. All of the ecological disasters, which by absolute, with, with absolute truth, mankind has not been kind to the earth. There's no question there. So we're not debating whether man has harmed the creation. Man has harmed the creation. Let's just get over that part. But worshiping it will not save us. Only Christ can do that. And then the third angel poured out his bowl upon the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel say of the waters, saying, You are righteous, O Lord. Does not mankind worship water itself? Do you realize that when you go to the store and you buy Dasani or you buy Fiji or you buy some of these bottled waters that they are more expensive than the gasoline by volume than the gas that you put in your car? And yet they're bottled in Tustin. <laughs> People don't believe me when I say this. And I know this personally because I actually negotiated some contracts with Arrowhead Water. You know, in the lovely bottles that say, you know, bottled at the source in the spring and all that. You know where that spring source is? It was 100 yards across the highway from Jeff and Connie Gill's house. And it was pumped out of the, out of the ground and into a tank, and then it was put into tanker trucks, and then trucked to Irwindale. And that's where it's actually put. It's not bottled at the source. The source is up in Running Springs and about 200 jillion other places throughout Southern California. And they pay people like me... Uh, 2.05 one hundredths of a cent a gallon, then they charge you two and a half dollars per gallon for it. We worship water. And people run around, you know, isn't it weird? Austin and I were at the gym today and we're, we're in there and we're watching, you know, people with their water bottles and stuff and they've got their, you know, their filtered water bottles and, you know, and they're carrying them like they're little gods. So you put their little water bottle down. It's like it's water. Your body's 68% water in and of itself. But we worship it. You alone are holy, the one who is and who was and who is to be. Past, present, future, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He alone is worthy of worship. Water's not worthy of worship. I love water. Water's good. It's 90% of what we drink at our house. But I don't worship water. But a lot of people do. We're about to get slapped with yet another wonderful thing this summer because Southern California's in a drought still. So because our governor thinks y'all are ignorant... He's going to say, well, because you didn't meet your water goals, uh, you have to have a penalty. Can I remind you of something? Our water doesn't come from here. All the rain that falls here goes out there into the ocean. 
We don't store it. We don't save it. We have some aquifers. There's a few things that we do to pump water out of the ground. But about 90% of our water comes from the eastern Sierra, which has 138% of its snowpack. But somehow we blew it. We worship water. God's going to say enough. Notice in verse 6 how he gives the reason for all of these events that are going to transpire. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. That promise, that law of Galatians 6, 7 is true now. It has always been true, and it will be true in the future. Whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. And so God's allowing for a time man to do whatever he wants to do. But he's not going to strive forever with man. And he's saying, look, you want to worship the oceans? You want to worship you know, the creation, you want to worship water, you want to worship these things, you keep worshiping them, but there's going to come a point in time when I'm going to take every last thing that you worship and I'm going to make it so distasteful for you that you will have no choice but to see things my way. And yet people still will not change as we'll see tonight. And then I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. You see, you might think to yourself, look, the Lord's going to smite the fresh water supplies of the earth. Now, for most of you in here tonight, you might be able to go three, possibly four days without water. Possibly. Possibly. Most of you will be dead in two to three days. And you're saying, well, God's going to take away the fresh water supply. It's going to cause, yes, that's exactly the point. You can either worship him or you can worship what he's created. And so he's going to take even something so vital as fresh water away. But he will be true and righteous in his judgment. It won't be a mistake. It will not be too harsh. God will do what God is supposed to do. And it will be perfect. And then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. And power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And the men were scorched with a great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Now notice this. They're not killed. They're not even destroyed. But are we not concerned with the depletion of the ozone layer and the transitionary status of the Van Allen radiation belts? Are we not worried that the sun might go supernova? And people are freaking out all over the world. You know, it's an asteroid's going to hit here or something's going to hit there. And before you know it, you know, we're going to have scorching heat. And God says, look. If you want to worship the creation, if you want to worship the sun, you want to worship the stars, you want to worship warmth, how many people in Southern California are worshiping warmth? You want to know how I know that? Tanning salons. There's like 814 of them on PCH alone. It's 
like happy tan, super tan, wonder tan, California tan, tan tan, <laughs> mega tan. It's like I got to get tanned. Look, if you want to know why you don't want to do that, look at my skin. I've been out in the sun my whole life. Now I have collections of the sun that's all called sunspots. But we worship the sun. We worship being out in it. That feels great, amen? God actually created that feeling, by the way. I mean, what's better than laying on the beach in Maui with the sun hitting your body? Our problem is we grease ourselves up with baby oil. For those of us that are a little older, we used to fry ourselves, literally, cocoa butter. We worship the sun. God's going to say, you want some sun? Let me give you some sun. Let me make that sun so it's not quite so pleasant anymore. To where it's not releasing endorphins, it's peeling off the few outer layers of your skin. Sounds pretty harsh. But maybe people need to get the idea that this whole object of wearing as little as you possibly can so that you can get as much sun on your body as you possibly can, maybe it's not that great an idea. Notice they did not repent. Give him glory. And then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. Do we not worship false gods? They come in all kinds of different shapes, sizes, and flavors, don't they? For some people, their false god is made out of metal. It's parked in their driveway. For some people, it's in their bank account. For some people, it literally is a false god. It's Krishna, it's Vishnu, it's Allah. Maybe it's Buddha. Someone who cannot and has never promised, by the way, to save. All of those religions, there is no way of salvation in any of those things. There's ways of enlightenment. If you're a Buddhist, the end result is your candle gets snuffed out, you cease to exist, you become one with the cosmic consciousness. But you are not saved. And God is not personal, and he does not love you. God's saying, be wise with who you worship. Because one day, I'm going to pour out my wrath on the throne of the beast who represents all false religion, every bit of it. And his kingdom became full of darkness. The whole world becomes full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And now he gets into talking about the cumulative effects of all these things. So you can see everyone's still alive. This killed no one. Nobody died from any of these things. God's, it's me. Change. Don't keep going the direction you're going. Probably everyone in here. If you've been a believer for any length of period of time, you've had those situations where you know God was, you didn't do it on your door, he did it on your forehead. It's me. You're going the wrong way. Stop going that way and go a different way. It's me. Don't stay in that relationship. And then boom. All of a sudden, it goes exactly the way the Spirit was telling you it would go. God was trying to get your attention. 
God's a good attention getter. And these bowls are the top of his attention getting. This is God doing everything he can possibly do to turn the fate of anyone who will listen. Turn. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent. Now, when you listen to this, it is very tragic. And I, and I willingly confess that to you. It's tragic because you can see the hardness of the hearts of men. But can I tell you the hearts of men are hard tonight? People don't want to hear this tonight. They, they don't want to think, they don't even want to imagine that there's a God in heaven who might actually have something to say about their life. They don't mind an impersonal God who simply allows karma. They don't even mind a capricious God that might have a bad day when it comes to judgment. Well, I'll take my chances. But they don't want a God who has character and is just. And so God says, I will show you that I have character, I am holy, and I am just. I want to share with you a story Masters started today. If you're a golfer, this is kind of like, you know, this is like the Super Bowl of golf this week. But many of you, if you remember back in uh, 1990s, a golfer by the name of Payne Stewart was in a very tragic plane crash. He hopped aboard a Learjet uh, in uh, Orlando, Florida, was supposed to head towards Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, they got into that private jet, climbed to altitude. At their climb out, they were supposed to start heading west towards Texas. And a few minutes into their flight, the tower lost control uh, up with the pilots that were in that flight. And after a few minutes, they realized that something was wrong. That jet continued to climb, eventually reaching nearly 50,000 feet in altitude. And just so you know, normally passenger jets don't fly that high. They hover right around the 35,000-foot level. And as that jet climbed to altitude, they scrambled two Air Force jets out of Texas, two F-16s. They flew up alongside of that jet. They noticed that there was nobody moving in the cockpit. The, the ice had begun to form on the inside, and it appeared that there had been a depressurization of the cabin. That plane had almost five hours of fuel on it, as what they believed. They followed that plane uh, out over Texas, then over Oklahoma, uh, over parts of Kansas, and by the time it reached South Dakota, it was too late. And that plane began to pitch and yaw, and finally one engine went out as the fuel failed to that engine, and it began to turn over and over and over. The plane impacted the ground at nearly 600 miles an hour. Killed everyone on board. And why do I tell you this story? Because here's what happened. The cabin depressurized. And when the cabin depressurized, those who were inside became hypoxic. They had not enough oxygen to keep their bodies alive. But what they experienced 
was a quite slow five to ten minute drift into sleep. They didn't feel a thing. They didn't experience a thing. They actually basically passed out. They had put the plane on autopilot. So the plane, in essence, flew itself until it ran out of fuel. You see, that is the condition of the world. The world has been put on autopilot by the enemy. The world, the flesh, the devil, all working together to make it seem as though the plane's flying on the straight and level. And much like the view of the pilots in those F-16s who had to helplessly watch as that plane plummeted into the ground at nearly supersonic speed, so it is for the body of Christ and the Lord. We know something's very wrong. We even know what the problem is. We even know how to fix it, but we are outside of that plane. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And so in that sense, we're flying alongside. The world is about ready to begin to spin and crash into the earth at supersonic speed. That's the direction the world's going. You can see it everywhere. And it doesn't matter what part of society you look at. Our economy is an absolute abject failure. $19 trillion is our current national debt. That is more than our gross domestic product. In other words, we owe more money in debt than we actually produce. Now, I don't know about you, but if that happens to your bank account, you're going to be not sufficient funds that day. When you look at the world and its problems with health, we have more catastrophic disease, diabetes, heart failure, malaria is on the rise again. We now have measles back in the state of California because people are going, well, I don't want to vaccinate my kids because they might get autism. Nobody knows what to do. What we thought was great isn't great. We have more people dying of congestive heart failure than ever in the course of human history. We have not solved the problem of cancer. More people die from cancer every year than ever in human history. We have more people living in poverty. We have more people living without sufficient food. And yet, we're supposed to be this great, massive culture uh, of, of goodness and greatness. Well, we're not. We're fooling ourselves. We're flying along at supersonic speed. The plane is straight and level as far as we can tell. We don't realize there is nobody flying the plane. The enemy's just sitting there going, man, this is going to crash. And it's going to crash big. And so mankind's worshiping other things. But he thinks it's all going to be fine. Everybody thinks the next president's going to solve the problems of our country. Can I tell you, that's not happening. It's not ha- I don't care who wins. doesn't matter who wins. Because the problem's not in the White House. It's in God's house. The church has stopped teaching the word of God. Christians have stopped speaking up for their values. And now we're even being punished for doing so. And so people are afraid to speak up the truth of God's word. And so we're all just going to sit around and go, not here. Not me, not this church. But many churches are. Matter of fact, most churches are. 
That's a sad commentary. Because when the people that could fly the plane won't, I can tell you who will get in the cockpit, and that's the enemy. And he will fly it into the ground. So here comes the voice of fulfillment. Mankind's out of control. The great voice hollers from heaven, from the temple. The smoke, the presence of God's glory. Here it comes. First, we see a loud voice. God's holiness is justice. He cries out enough. It's time to pay up. You want to worship other things? I've let you do it. You've had a choice. Now I'm taking those choices away from you one at a time. I'm going to remove the things that you hope and you trust in. Isn't it funny how God does that personally in our lives? Anybody had that experience? Maybe you were trusting in money or maybe you were trusting in your your credentials or your, your job or maybe you were trusting in your outward appearance or your beauty or maybe the neighborhood that you live in or you were trusting that you were an American or you were trusting in something but you were trusting in something other than God. Isn't it interesting how God even personally removes those things that we trust in so that there's only one we can trust in and that's him? He does that personally. Now he's going to do it to the whole world. Because the world is so far over the edge by the time this happens that he can't wait any longer. It's so critical. The critical path in construction. We talk about a thing called critical path. And that's basically the points along a timeline that allow the the process to move forward in such a way that the project will get done on time. It has all kinds of component parts. You, you, can't, you, know, you, you can't begin to put the walls in until the foundation is in. So the critical path has the ground plumbing and then the foundation and the walls come up, those types of things. The critical path of the building of God is the roof's been on this thing for a long time. People have been using it, and they're using it incorrectly, and so God's going to tear it down. We need to start over. The project can't be saved. God is simply saying, look, They're hoping in the wrong thing. I'm going to make sure they don't hope in the wrong thing any longer. And so that loud voice comes out. And notice that these vile judgments are also very similar to the plagues that were against the children that were in Israel or in Egypt when they were when they were there with Pharaoh. And so those those plagues are also just like this. So God's very consistent in the way that He works with mankind. The same things work each time. Notice verse 2 in the first bowl as we run through these quickly. The first bowl reminds us of the sixth plague uh, in Egypt. You can see that that there in Exodus chapter 9. And so I went and poured out the first bowl, and a foul, loathsome sore came upon men who had the mark of the beast. Notice it only comes upon those who have the mark of the beast. It's very clear what God's doing here. You want to worship money? You want to worship power? You want to worship those things which will bring you Uh, economic prosperity? Well, we'll take care of that. And he makes a sore upon them, and I believe it's directly related to the mark itself. And whether that's, it becomes infected, I don't know. You know, people have used all kinds of things to explain this. Everything from the depletion of the ozone layer uh, that can cause an increase in sunburns and you get cancer and all those kind of things. If I did that, I'd look like a Dalmatian if you took away my sunspots, you know. It's like a blotchy. Some kind of malignant sore, some cancerous thing from nuclear fallout. I don't think it's any of those things, quite frankly. I really believe it's tied directly to the fact that they took the mark of the beast. 
So whatever it is, whatever that mark is, if it's some kind of implant, if it's some tattoo, if it's some mark itself, it appears that God says, look, if you think that buying and selling without me is going to get you where you need to go, then here, have a nice boil in the middle of your forehead. And by the way, that is exactly what Deuteronomy 28 said would happen to those who were disobedient. God said this before. There in verse 27, all the way down through 30, verse 35, and it says there, But it shall come to pass that if they do not obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully all his commands, his statutes, which I command you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And the Lord will strike you with the boils. Remember, one of the plagues was the boils in Egypt, wasn't it? God's saying, look, you, you want to worship your skin? You, you want to worship your, your appearance, your body? It is nuts how much money we spend in this country every, every year worshiping our bodies. Let me give you an example. We're so wanting to prolong life that we now spend one-third of our gross domestic product, nearly $4 trillion a year on health care. $4 trillion a year. People visit the doctor for absolutely every absurd, ridiculous thing. Every sniffle, every cold. Well, I don't want to feel bad. Nobody wants to feel bad. But you know what? God made you fearfully and wonderfully. And every doctor will tell you, if you have a virus, you're going to have it for about two weeks, and it's going to be gone. And you're just going to have to deal with it. But we, oh, give me a... They don't, antibiotics do not work on viruses. People, they bug their doctor. Well, I don't want to feel, I don't want to have a sniffle. Look, I've had the stupid South Bay flu or whatever's been going around for two months now. It's like you all are good at sharing. It just is. The answer is, because of Jesus, one day heaven. No more sickness. But instead, you realize in vitamin supplements, we spend $68 billion a year in the United States of America. To put that in perspective for you, that is the gross domestic product of the entire nation of Germany. We spend that on health supplements, protein drinks, vitamins, you can now get gummy everything, which, by the way, I like. I actually take them. <laughs> Only because they taste like candy. We're, in, we're crazy with trying to stay healthy. Now, am I saying to disrespect your body and treat it woefully or that, you know, if you're eating health foods, you're doing No, I'm not saying that at all. But people worship their bodies. They'll do anything. So we resort now to Photoshop. It's true, isn't it? You know what I'm saying. Have you ever noticed how you know some of these stars and, and, and actors and actresses? You know they're 75, but somehow they're down to 55 now. You know, and you look at them, you look really closely, and I said, I think that ear is supposed to be on the side of your head. It's like back here somewhere, you know.
We've lifted parts and put them where they don't belong. We worship our bodies. And God's saying, look, you've been worshiping the wrong thing. You're worshiping money and everything you can get. And the net result is you want to come across as you've got it all together. Well, I'm going to make it so you don't have it all together. Here's a nice fat boil in the middle of your forehead forever. You know what? Nobody looks good with that. Ben Affleck with the giant, you know, right there in the forehead. The second bowl of wrath. Notice what he says. Poured it out upon the seas. It's like the first plague in Egypt as well. You remember back in Revelation chapter 8, we saw a third of the sea affected, and the ships and all those things were affected at that time. Now God's just saying, look, you want to worship the ocean? You know, we're all about free-range tuna now. You know, it's like, and again, I love the ocean. I love being out on the ocean. I love fishing. I even love fish. But the fact of the matter is, that's not our Savior. We care more about what happens to the water at Cabrillo Beach than we do what happens to the people who are sitting on it. And God's saying, look, it don't work that way. You need to worship me. Not people, not the ocean, not the sunsets, not the trees, the maker of heaven and earth. And so he says, look, I'm going to choke out every single life form in the ocean. Now, people have made, again, all kinds of guesses. But this is going to be, you know, some gigantic red tide. You know, there's going to be giant planktons of dinoflagellites that are going to float to the surface and everything's going to get choked. I don't know whether that's what it is. I just know that God's going to take away any propensity that man has to worship the ocean and the fish that are in it. Now imagine how many societies on earth rely on the ocean for their daily food. It's not going to be good. People say prayers. They offer homage. If you spend any time in the Hawaiian Islands, you will find little stacks of little offerings to the ocean, to the, to the land, all those things. And again, I'm not being critical at all. I'm simply saying that people worship the ocean. People worship dirt. And God's saying, worship me. The third bowl of wrath. The judgment that comes on the fresh water supply, verses 4 to 7. And if you notice, uh, back in chapter 8, we saw this star fall to earth, wormwood, and it affects the third of the fresh water. Now all of the fresh water is affected. Imagine if that happened. You know, one of the truths about what we're going through here in Southern California, we do need to be concerned. You know why? Because we don't have the water here to take care of all of us. It does need to come from the eastern Sierra. Or it does need to come from the All-American Canal. It does need to come from the Sacramento River Delta and travel all the way down here. Now imagine, it's one of the things that people often talk about. You know, you get some nutcase out in the desert with enough explosives to blow open the All-American Canal and stop feeding Lake Silverwood or any of the other sources of water that actually fill our reservoirs. We are in T-R-U and the rest of it trouble. <laughs> We're in trouble. And people worship it. Do you read the history of the Eastern Sierra Water Project? 
Mulholland Drive, named after the, the founder of that project. There, was a, there were wars that happened in the Owens Valley. You drive up the Owens Valley today and you look at Owens Dry Lake, it's dry because we sucked it dry. Now God's going to say, look, you've been worshiping water? Let me take care of that for you. Crystal geyser is bottled right there in Olancha on the side of the 395. Looks like it comes from some spring. It comes from a salt marsh. We're deceiving ourselves. Well, my water's triple filtered. Well, my water's quadruple filtered. You can get like a 47-stage filter now to filter your water. It takes out everything. It takes the water out of your water. But it seems as though you're drinking water. It's a water-like experience. It's crazy. God's going to say enough. Stop it. We have to trust him by faith. If you're trusting in people to make agreements so we have enough water or enough food or... We stopped getting shipments of food into Southern California. If you haven't noticed, we don't have many farms left here in Southern California. And there's 25 million of us. L.A. County South, 25 million people live in that region. Here to San Diego. That's a lot of biscuits. We don't grow that much wheat around here. We we trust in all these man-made delivery systems. And God's going to say, forget it. Proverbs 3 is right. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him. And He will guide and direct your path. You see, that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to trust Him. But instead we trust in everything else. And finally God's going to say, no, you can't trust in that anymore. I'm going to take it away. I'm not going to kill you. It's not going to cause your death, but I'm going to take it away. God's always been doing that. That's why that principle that we find in in Galatians is so important. You know, we, we do reap what we have sown. And as mankind has chosen to worship things other than God, God will one at a time, someday, not saying it's going to be tomorrow, but someday... After the church is taken home, after the seven years of absolute utter chaos that begins with peace, a peace treaty with the nation Israel, the rebuilding of that temple, the Antichrist finally shows himself, and then the false prophet rises up, the two witnesses come, and they're slain, they lay in the street. After all these things happen, After seven years of that, this is at the end. Well, I don't think it's God. You know, it's just one of them natural occurrences. Well, I believe in evolution. That's called devolution, folks. That's when everything goes the wrong way, not the right way. And God's saying, look, you want to hope and trust in it. I'm not going to make you love me. I'm not going to make you worship me. But I'm going to make it so hard that if you make that choice, you are absolutely going to know what you were doing. Isaiah chapter 49 puts it this way in verse 25 and 26. 
But thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away. One day God's going to say, look, you can't hold those kids captive anymore. You, you cannot kill the innocent anymore. ISIS, listen up. You're done. It's over. And it won't be because of an airstrike from the U.S. or the Russians or anybody else. It will be because God says enough. And the prey of the terrible will be delivered. Same exact principle. Sometimes we wonder how God's going to do that. Remember the cry of the martyrs. How long, O Lord? Just and true will it be before you pronounce judgment on this evil. That time will come. You do reap what you sow. It's inescapable. People often say, well, you know, that may be fine for you Christians, but it's not true for me. It is true for everybody. And the world calls it all kinds of different things. They call it karma, don't they? Well, bro, you're just getting what you, you know. We used to say that all the time back in the 60s and 70s. Man, it was bad karma, dude. No, it's not bad karma. You are reaping what you have sown. God's word has said that for 2,000 years. Mankind just doesn't believe it. Think they can sow to the whirlwind and that they will not reap the consequences of it. One day, mankind's going to reap the consequences of what they've sown. The fourth bowl that you see here. And, you know, sometimes when you, you think about the sun and the moon and all those things, it's hard to, to imagine that God would do these things. But notice what it says that they don't repent in the sun. The power was given to scorch men with fire. One of the reasons that I do not believe, as some people have purported to to believe this passage, says that it's going to be some supernova. If our sun supernova, we'd be vaporized. It wouldn't be kind of warm to where you got scorched. You'd be like non-existent. If our sun supernova, it's believed that the, the, the corona from that supernova, the explosion of that supernova, would go out well past Saturn. So, not really going to happen. Some people say, well, it's, you know, we're going to deplete the ozone layer to the point to where you know, all of the radiation will hit the earth at such a high impact rate that we're just going to get radiation burns. Again, I don't believe so. Because if you do that, the earth will continue to store up the heat from the sun. It would get beyond our ability at about 104. Everybody know that the temperature 104, that's the cutoff. When you have a temperature of 104, when you go to 105, it's hospital time. 106, you're in a coma. 107, you are DEAD dead. So this isn't it kind of goes up a few degrees. This is, you're going to just simply get scorched. You're going to be sunburned. You're no longer going to enjoy the heat of the sun. It's going to be oppressive. And it's going to be followed also with this understanding that God's doing these things. So it's not going to be some majorly catastrophic event that would wipe out the whole earth at that time. It's going to be local to everyone. They'll all experience it. In other words, no matter what side of the earth you're on, it isn't going to be well as bad over here and good over there. The whole earth's going to be like that. So what God's going to do, I believe, is supernatural. He's going to say, you want to worship the sun? Let me take care of that for you. You think about those radioactive particles that now hit us. You realize they travel from the sun at 3,000 miles an hour. Those radioactive particles that we saw. Can you imagine if there was no filter to that? 
You can see that in your microwave, by the way. You want to trust? do a little experiment? Grab an egg, put it in your microwave, put it on 10, and see what happens. Don't send me the bill for your microwave. But notice the men were scorched with heat. doesn't say the earth, doesn't say the animals, just people. God's going to do something that's going to, whether he makes us intolerable to heat, I don't know. Is there going to be sunburn? Anybody ever had a really good sunburn? Is that one of the most unpleasant things you've ever experienced? You can't even sleep. It's one of, one of our, well, I don't know if I should confess this to you or not. One of our favorite things to do in Hawaii is to watch all the people from Indiana. Oh, wow, that's a new color of red. I think SPF 317 would have taken care of that. We sit on the lanai and we watch the people go by. It's like, that's not going to be good tomorrow. Then you watch them the next day. They don't want to touch themselves, much less have anybody else touch them. Now imagine that the whole world, everybody on the earth is scorched. And the word that's used here means that they're, they're kind of toasted. Ouch. God's saying, you want to you enjoy that? Mm-mm, taking that away too. Malachi 4 says that one day he's going to actually burn like an oven here on this earth. In other words, it'll get so hot that, that the stubble will begin to dry up and, and fry. God's just going to one by one take everything that mankind worships away. And when you think about it, that's what God will have to do. The fifth bowl affects all of the sources of energy at their source. You see right now, we kind of, when the sun comes up, you know how you feel when you're sitting out there in, in, in your backyard, the sun comes over your house and just like the first rays hit you and it just like feels so good and, and oh, it's another day. And you kind of get that euphoric feeling of watching it. People do the craziest things to watch sunrises and sunsets, right? God's going to one day take away that. All energy. You're going to have darkness. Complete darkness. And again, darkness is a frightening thing. If you haven't ever had that experience, you, whether you, it doesn't matter what caves you travel to, but if you go to Carlsbad Caverns and you, now you have to walk down the actual natural entrance, it's like a mile and a quarter down this trail and you get to this place called the Big Room and you go in there and they, they tell you, they say, okay, grab hold of someone, get a hold of something, you know, the rail or something, and grab a hold of it because we're going to turn the lights off. And you kind of almost, I know I did, I mocked them. It's like, oh yeah, it's really going to be dark. They turned the lights off, man. Like this, you could not see your hand. I was trying to see my hand. Why? Because you need light to see anything. And God's saying it's going to be so completely dark that people will stumble around in the darkness. I wonder if this is not a preview of hell itself. Because does he not say? And people deny it. Oh, there's no hell. Is it not outer darkness? wherein there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And God's saying, you have told billions of people that there's no hell. No, I really meant that, and now I'm going to make it a reality for you for a while. So you can actually experience the darkness of hell. You'll be able to see nothing in hell. Sometimes people say, well, you know, it won't be that bad. All my friends will be partying there, and so I'll just, we'll just party together. 
you will not be able to see your friends, but you will be able to hear their agony. So God takes away all sources of light. The whole world is plunged into that kind of darkness. He's basically said it's time to pay up. No more playing around. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says this, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for many, for all, and testified to that in due time. Right now is the due time. Grace is available. It's free. It's a gift. And anyone who wants it can have it. But it won't be available forever. It has a shelf life in that sense. The age of grace will end one day. And God will say, you haven't come to me. You haven't worshipped me. And so I'm going to take away everything else that you have worshipped. Until one by one you get down to just you and me. Aren't you glad God hasn't done that yet? Aren't you glad there's still grace available? I am. Let's make sure that we tell people about that grace. If you're here tonight, the worship team's going to come back up. We're simply going to close in song. We're going to worship the one true and the living God, his son Jesus. Amen? But if that's you and you're here and you want to know Jesus, you, you want to make sure that you don't ever have to experience any of this, there's an easy way to do it. The Scripture declares if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we'll be saved. And then God will give you the grace to help you walk. He'll give you the grace to help you abound. He'll give you the grace to help you grow. And he'll give you the grace to share the faith that you have. And he'll even give you the faith to believe. So as we close in song and the pastors come forward, and that's you, I'm going to invite you to just simply come down and pray with one of the pastors. Pray with these guys to just receive Christ. It's simple. And it's the way to escape these things. So if that's you, as we close in song, just simply come. Be transformed as your mind is renewed. Come to Jesus. Don't believe the lies because the enemy wants you to believe that there's other things worth worshiping. There is nothing worth a relationship with Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Our hope, Lord, is in you. Our trust is in you. Our faith is in you, Lord. And we pray, God, if there's anyone here, Lord, if there's a single person here tonight that does not know you, they've never confessed with their own mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. They've never 
said, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I need my sins wiped away. God, if there's one person tonight, would they simply come and meet Jesus, meet their Savior? We love you. Thank you for your word, the power, Lord, to change and transform. And God, ask that you would bless us, Lord, with your presence in our lives always. Make us ministers of the gospel truth. We pray these things in Christ's name. God's people all said, amen. Would you stand? Let's